You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. All right, welcome to another episode of the 49ers Rush Podcast with me, your host, John Chapman. Hopefully, <laughs> this intro music will last a little bit longer. Uh, the copyright claims are out the window, man. They are they are just coming through. So <laughs> I want to make sure created some original stuff, and hopefully that will be the end of that. But today we are going to continue. I'm really excited. We are going to be putting a nice bow tie on our NFL draft coverage. We are going to be covering the last three draft picks for the 49ers today in Caden Smith, Justin School, and Tim Harris. So we're going to break down each one of their the background stats, kind of measurements, what they did at the Combine or not the Combine for a few of these guys um where they fit scheme fit and all those things and this is the last episode if you have not already tried to enter in for the autograph joe montana jersey this will be the last episode to do that on the next episode next week we will be announcing the winner so we will talk a little bit more about that about halfway through this podcast so uh without further ado let's just jump straight into this one of the picks i was most excited about out of this entire draft class was our one of our six-round pick, Caden Smith, tight end out of Stanford. Um, we took him, pick number three in the sixth round, number 176 overall, and he was the highest-ranked player on my big board at that time. Um, not the biggest fan of the draft as a whole. Uh, if you've been listening to the series, if you want to go back and look at the previous episode where I break down all the previous picks, those are available for you. Now, obviously, we got some major talent. However... Caden Smith was one of the guys that actually fit a major need and I think is a scheme fit as well. I love this kid's game. I had a uh, third round grade on him and to get him in the sixth round, it's very obvious why he fell. He's very slow. Um, and he's actually quicker than fast, I think is what you'd want to say. Um, six foot five, 255 pounds, and he ran a 492. Um, at the combine, which that is not great, but we are not going to be using him as a tight end one. He is going to be that tight end two fit. Uh, he is going to be fighting with Garrett Selleck um, right off the bat to try to win that number two spot. I doubt that we keep both of them. 
I, I really do think that Selleck's time is over, but we will just kind of have to see what happens with that. So let, let's jump into uh, his game and kind of what I saw with film and some of those stats. So he's a possession tight end with great hands. Um, he is a guy that extends very, very well, natural pass-catching tight end. And what I mean by that is he doesn't let the ball get into his body too often. Uh, his receipt, his hands are very similar to a good wide receiver. His body, uh, a little similar to an offensive tackle. So he, he's that hybrid tight end that's going to be blocking more often than not and might only see, you know, one to two targets a game and go a couple games without even receiving any targets whatsoever. He did injure his foot and miss the final three games, but seems very healthy now you know he participated at the combine uh pro days all that kind of stuff he seems fine he is tight hipped but the interesting thing about how he plays on the field is for his three cone he went nuts he ran a 7.008 three cone which is wide receiver good but whenever you watch him on film you don't see any of that and just to put that into perspective Debo Samuel ran a 7.03 and Caden Smith, you know, 255 pounds, ran a 7.08. So uh, just to put that into perspective, Debo Samuel's three cone wasn't great. It was average for wide receivers. But for Caden Smith, this is absolutely incredible. Kyle Shanahan absolutely loves those good three cone measurements. And so that's one of the things that I think might have put it over the top. Now, Despite his lack of speed, uh, he led the tight end class with the most deep ball reception. So uh, with passes that traveled over 20 yards in the air, he had seven deep ball receptions this year and 27 slot receptions. So they moved him around despite the fact that he's a big guy. And it's pretty fun watching him run routes because he's not a type of guy that's going to get separation his, 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 you could tell he was coached to do this because he's so big and he's a thumper and he loves contact. He runs straight at, whether it's a nickel corner, linebacker, safety on him, he runs straight at them. So they're, let's say they're giving him you know, a five, six yards off the ball and they're making their read. He, he runs straight at them, basically bench presses them, and then makes a move. Like, he feasts off of contact on his passing routes. And so, the, you know, they ask Kyle Shanahan, like, Man, what are you going to do with this guy? He's slow. He ran a 4.9. And Kyle Shanahan said, you know, lack of speed's not an issue. I'm not going to send him on speed routes. He's a tough player that isn't scared and gets open with his feet in his hands. And that's what I saw on film as well. So whenever Kyle said that, I was, like, shaking my head, like, oh, hell yeah. Like, we noticed the same thing. So that's a good thing. Now, he had 105 targets and a 66% catch rate, which is pretty good for a tight end, especially one that wants to uh, initiate contact and have contested catches. He's not a guy that catches the ball out in space. He's really never in space. He's the type of guy on third and three, you're going to throw a four to five yard hitch route with a tight end or with a linebacker or safety draped all over his back. He's going to kind of do like the basketball move where he shields. Uh, the defender behind him boxes him out and catches the ball for a first down. He's he's a chain mover wide receiver. He's not your big play guy. Um, now, he's not a punishing blocker by any means, but he does use his feet and his arms very, very well. So instead of like punishing, you know, if we look at Kittle, he wants to kill people. That's not what Caden Smith does. Caden Smith is a boring blocker, and what I mean by that is you're not going to get a highlight from either side. He's not driving them off the ball, and he's not whiffing on blocks either. He's he's a stalemate blocker that doesn't get a whole bunch of movement, but if you need to keep a guy in to chip 
let's say an ex uh, an excellent edge rusher, and you want to help your tackle and just give them an extra you know step before, that's the guy. Th this is who you want in that role. So he he's a guy that really fits uh, a major need for us. Our tight end two last year was just abysmal blocking. Uh, it was awful. He does line up everywhere. You know, at Stanford, they put him in the slot. He was in the backfield some, kind of like a Kyle Juszczyk, um situation. He was on the line of scrimmage. He was wide out, split wide out sometimes. So he can do all of that, and you've seen him do that. He did have a bad combine, but again, this is a guy that is a better football player than he is an athlete. Uh, my player comparison for him was Daniel Fells, but better in every way uh, besides speed. So... One of those just kind of true three-down tight ends, if that's what you want to use them for, or you can create some mismatches uh, in the run game by shifting focus and messing up the defensive alignment with that if you want to go big. And again, you know, the theme with our front office is anybody with versatility. <laughs> if they can do more than one thing, we love them. And it's versatility is turning into a cuss word for me now because I'm just getting tired of hearing it. And I want to see guys do what their primary role is. Now, John Lynch did say, um, you know, he makes plays in big moments. He's a gamer. He does have a big catch radius. He's very, very long. Um, now, the thing is this, you know, Stanford has kind of turned into the 49ers farm system. And whenever you look at tight end, even more so. Stanford has had six tight ends drafted in the NFL draft over the past seven years. Um, it, he's going to be able to play a lot. So, again, they even said uh, he's going to be competing with Selleck for a roster spot. I really do think that he is going to win out. His ceiling is just higher, and Selleck's game has been descending. Now, some more positives just on Caden Smith real quick. He has played in a pro scheme. Um, up front and so it's not going to be too much of a jump for him I don't believe because it's very similar concepts that Stanford runs and what we do obviously it's different but if there's probably about three to four different offensive systems that are similar to the NFL and Stanford's going to be right up top with there he is a two-time academic all-pack 12 uh, he's a poli-sci major pretty smart kid he played basketball and football in high school for one of the top programs in Texas this is a Dallas kid uh, he's from Flower Mound Texas and they were absolutely elite uh, basketball and football and the fact that he was a starter on both of those teams should say a lot he was the second ranked tight end coming out of high school he was a five-star recruit and chose um he went with stanford over the texas longhorns i remember watching this film back whenever he was coming out of high school uh, the kid's legit so i i do expect Caden to make this roster for sure um, now before we get into our next prospect prospect justin school i do want to give you more details on how to win this joe montana jersey um First off, just want to say thank you to our sponsors. Man, Game Day Sports and Memorabilia, they have treated us very, very well. And just I love all the free stuff that we get to give away just because of them. So head over to Game Day Sports and Memorabilia if you don't win, and you can pick up Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, all this different type of memorabilia sign. Now, for free, if you want to win it for free, it's very, very simple. All you have to do is go to my Twitter, at JL underscore Chapman. It is my pinned tweet. If you click on my profile, you're going to see it there. A lot of you guys have already done it. The traffic has been wonderful. Make sure you're following me on Twitter. Retweet that, that tweet that has all the details in it. And then all you have to do after that is just go to my YouTube page, which it has the link on there. It's under John Chapman. 
Um, and just leave a comment on any video with your Twitter handle and follow that YouTube account. Once you do that, you are entered. You don't have to do anything else. And my son will be drawing the name later this week, and I will keep you posted on that. So, again, head over to Twitter at JL underscore Chapman, retweet, follow, and then make sure you are subscribed to that YouTube channel and leave that comment. That's it. And somebody's going to be winning a several hundred dollar jersey autographed by Joe Montana. So really excited to give that out. It's such a cool thing that they let us do. Again, thanks to Game Day Sports and Memorabilia. All right, the second prospect that we're going to be talking about today is Justin School, which uh, he's got the coolest spelling ever, S-K-U-L-E, and it's pronounced school like kids go to school. Um, We got him in the sixth round, 10th pick, so about seven picks after Caden Smith. He's number 183 overall. Offensive tackle out of Vanderbilt, and this is a big kid. Six foot seven, 317 pounds. So uh, you want a guy that, you know, has got length and size. Man, we've got two of the biggest dudes out there in McGlinchey and Justin School. This guy, he is going to be the backup swing tackle. You know, they asked him. You know, what's the idea behind here? And Kyle Shanahan didn't mix any words, which I, I love how honest he is. Uh, and he said, you know, the game's not too big for him. He started 48 games in the SEC, 40 consecutive games, 48 total. And he's fighting for Sean, with Sean Coleman for that swing spot. So this is the backup tackle. Um, behind, that could, And he could play both left and right. You know, he's a big kid. So he started two years at Vanderbilt at the left tackle spot and one year at the right tackle. So he's played both, which is great. And again, and the SEC is huge. Uh, he plays against the best pass rushers. And probably the best game film that I watched on him was against Kentucky. And he got to go against Josh Allen only about seven times the whole game. They moved Josh Allen around. You know, he went to the Jags, uh, number six overall. And was it six or seven? It might have been seven. So, uh, But anyway, top ten. And, you know, he only went against Josh Allen seven times, but he held his own. Uh, he got beat one time fairly bad, but th- there were several plays that you watch him, and you're like, okay, this kid can play against elite talent. He has shown that uh, by being a three-year starter in the SEC. So started 40 consecutive games, which is absolutely key. You've got to have health up front and durability on that offensive line, um, and especially with a guy that can play both sides. So if an injury did happen, which would be awful to either of our tackles, we would be screwed. But this does kind of help that situation a little bit. So um, as far as the statistics go, he had 1,441 pass uh, protection snaps in his career, and he allowed eight sacks and 92 pressures during that time. So not ideal. Um, He was beat quite often, and I'll explain why he got beat so often, but if we just step back and again, this is the number 183rd player off the board. So you're not talking about starter quality. Could he become something like that? Possibly. Uh, is this the replacement for Joe Staley when he retires in a year or two years? No, it's not. This is not. Uh, he is going to be a swing backup tackle and a life preserver at that position. This is not somebody that you're like, oh, we have our tackle of the future. That's not who he is. He ranked 35th in his class versus outside pressure and 95th in his class versus bull rush pressure. So I've seen some mentions out there on Twenty Well uh, on Twitter saying, "Can School move to guard for this this year?" Absolutely not. Uh, with the way he is built and the way he plays, that's not a good combination. Uh, his weakness is against power, so you don't want to put him in a guard position where he's going to be required to just handle power. Uh, 
pressure. So that that's a no. Um, now, he did have nine pancake blocks in 2018, but he's not a mean guy. It's not really what he is. He uh, played in the East-West Shrine game. Did okay there. Nothing really special again. You, know, you go through the film, and you're just like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's not great, but it's not bad either. And he's just kind of like, this is who he is. When you watch his film, it's just like, meh. He gets the job done most of the time. The problem with his film is he plays way too top-heavy. He's a big, tall kid. And he does not have the hip bend that you want. You know, as, as a former old line coach, you'd always say, sit in your bucket, uh, get in your bucket. Basically, it, when we had kids that couldn't bend, you would literally get a bucket out and you'd get them to come out of their stance and bend to where their ass is touching the edge of a bucket. And he is just way too high. Uh, his hip bend is not there and he plays almost standing up a lot of times. And so, like, there's some game films where you can get a really good, I guess, kind of lower view of the field. The camera's not as high, uh, basically, bird's eye view. It's more from the sideline. And you can tell he has the highest hat on every play. And low man wins. Now, the thing that he has going for him is he has a lot of upper body strength. And so he is able to control a lot of the smaller guys just fine. But whenever he's going against kind of a bigger, powerful defensive end, it's always problematic for him. So um, he can be great in the run game. Not always there. But whenever he does make his contact, he drives. This He's a moving tackle blocker. And what I mean by that is uh, he's going to make contact and he is going to move them <laughs> every single time. He puts them where he wants them. So he always keeps his feet moving whenever he engages the defender, which is his best trait and what he does better than anything else. And again, it's just constant drive in the run game. I kept typing this as I'm watching this film. I mean, great drive, good drive, gets movement like over and over again. Um, so, and this is what John Lynch said. He said, you know, he wins with good leverage and just gets the job done. I have no clue what he was talking about with good leverage. I don't see that anywhere on his film. But uh, I defer to John Lynch on that. He does get the job done. Um, he's an academic honor roll kid three years in a row. Vanderbilt's not an easy school to get into, obviously. Um, and interesting fact that I found out, his dad is an FBI agent and played offensive line for the Naval Academy. So you've got somebody that's going to be uh, going to have all his ducks in a row for sure. Could you imagine a dad being an FBI agent and playing offensive line for the Naval Academy? It just says a lot about who this kid is. And he studied economics. So we got a poli-sci guy and we got an economics guy. So uh, now let's move on to Tim Harris, uh, the third prospect and the last prospect we're going to talk about in our NFL draft coverage. We again another six round pick. We we love that six round. We got him towards the end, the twenty six pick in the sixth round, number one ninety eight overall. Tim Harris is unique, um, and once you get to the end of the sixth round and seventh round, the the probability of making the roster is down pretty far. But he's an interesting kid because he didn't even start for his own team. You know uh, the first. Four games of the season, he didn't even start. But then he came on pretty pretty well late. And one of the better secondaries in all of college football, you know, my pre-draft crush, you had Juan Thornhill as the safety, and it was pretty cool seeing them on the same side of the field. So I, I, I had seen a lot of his film before he was drafted. I just didn't grade this player out. Um, again, I, I, it's what it is, you know. And when they asked, man, why would you guys take this guy? And they were very honest. 
Uh, <laughs> he said, this is a size speed guy that fits what we look for when a cornerback. So he's six foot one, just under six, 297 pounds out of Virginia. And let's, there's good and bad here. So the good things, he was not invited to the combine. He's elite whenever it comes to measurements, you know, 4.4440 at his pro day, 39 inch vertical, very long. He had a 139 inch broad jump. And to put that into perspective, it's the second longest broad jump ever for a corner. Not this year, ever in the history of recorded broad jumps. It's second behind only Byron Jones out of Connecticut. So, and you could say, well, that's at your pro day. Well, there's certain things that change 40 times at a pro day. You have to put an asterisk, asterisk next to um, vertical and broad jump. You do not need to. Bench press, you do not need to. Uh, so this just shows you how explosive. I mean, you are talking 99th percentile as far as broad jump goes. And the broad jump's huge for corner and wide receivers because it measures your explosiveness and your hip power. And this kid's got it all. So a length. Height, speed, explosiveness, he checks all those boxes off. Now, the problem is it doesn't match on film all the time. So this is one of those project players that you're saying, man, if he can figure it out, he's definitely a guy that has these very rare traits that he belongs to the NFL. The problem is health and technique. So he is a six-year corner. <laughs> and what I mean by that is he he had two season-ending injuries. Oh, man, stop me if you've heard this before with the 49ers draft. Um, so in 2016, he played the first two games, and then he had a horrible shoulder injury and missed the entire year. Then he comes back in 2017, and in the season opener, he breaks, fractures his wrist, he's out the whole year again. So back-to-back -back years, you know, with season-ending injuries was rough. Now, he was a guy that came in and played as a freshman, but because he's gone through this six-year track uh, with an additional medical redshirt, he's much older already, and the injury history is huge. Now, the, the if we're going to be try to look on the bright side of life, um, it, none of these are lower body issues. Shoulder for a corner, they don't really hit a whole bunch. Um, he is physical, though. Like, he's not scared to get in there and hit. And then a wrist. So, again, it's not ACL. It's not Achilles. It's, it's not any of those things. It's not soft tissue, all that stuff. It's a shoulder and it's a wrist. So you take for that what you want. So he only started the final eight games. Uh, he did play all 13, but he only started the last eight. Uh, on 95 targets, he did not get a lot of uh, targets his way. He allowed 52 receptions and came out with a 54% catch rate. So it, you want that to be in the 50s. So that, those are good numbers. Now the problem I have is that he had an 82% passer rating against. So the quarterbacks, when they targeted him, 82%, that is not okay. Um, only four career interceptions, 17 pass deflections, one fumble recovery. He's never forced a fumble. And probably the best thing that you can find about him, statistically speaking, because he does not have ball skills, is on 109 tackles, he only had 11 missed tackles, which for corners – that's pretty good, and you see that on film pretty well. He is a guy that whenever he wraps up, he is very textbook. He does not miss a lot of tackles. So um, my notes for his game film, size, speed, and explosiveness. Um, it, you see it every single play. 
Lack of ball skills and health is why he went in the sixth round. He does play with a lot of energy. He comes out fired up every game. It's pretty fun watching the first quarter with him. Not near as fun watching the fourth quarter with him. Um, it, it, it just seems like he comes out with so much energy to start the game. It just dissipates as the game goes on, which is a bummer. Uh, you want somebody that can maintain that level. That's something that he's going to have to work on. Uh, very slow to to react out of wide receivers in their breaks. And this is one of those things. There's a spectrum because you want to teach corners to stay calm and be patient, but he's, he takes that to a new level. He's way too patient. And also he likes to peek into the backfield, but this is something that both corners at Virginia did. So I'm not so sure if this was what they were coached to do, uh, it seems like it is what they were coached to do, but this is going to be a bad habit, something that you don't want to necessarily do, especially in the cover three. So there's going to be a little bit of a scheme transition there where instead of opening up your hips to the quarterback, you're going to open up your hips to the boundary and try to force him out. So he's going to have some transition there, but it's what it is. You know, John Lynch said, he came out and said, you can't have enough good corners. He's a profile fit. Uh, 6'2", 200, can run a 4'4". He's exclusively a corner, uh, which I'm very glad to hear him say. We don't want to try him at safety or nickel or any of those things. Um, and he did say, you know, he's got a lot of injury history, but in the sixth round, you've got to trust your medical staff. We do have a new medical staff this year. Uh, it, it's, it's problematic how many players the 49ers have relied upon that have such an injury history. However, this is the NFL. And if you only stuck with players that were never injured, you wouldn't have a full roster. So, But I do think that we are one of the teams that lean, and we kind of give the injury pass too often. But here in the sixth round, I don't mind that. I really, really don't. Now, they did ask uh, John Lynch again, why no secondary drafted until late? And John Lynch said, you know, at the corner position, we took a flyer on Jason Verrett, uh, and he's got an injury history as well. But that's what they're trying to do. And Kyle Shanahan added to that, you know, our secondary is not the easiest thing to beat guys out we already have. So if we look at our depth chart, you know, if if everybody stays healthy, this is what our secondary will look like, I believe. Um, our starting outside corners are going to be Richard Sherman and Jason Verrett. If Jason Verrett is healthy, he might be one of the best corners we have. Uh, might be the best corner we have. He is beyond elite. He doesn't fit the size speed. He's a shorter guy, 5'10". But he is absolutely incredible, and he played in the exact same system, you know, for the Chargers as he's going to be doing for us. So he understands the system, and he's excelled in that. He's just been injured so much. I think our slot guy is going to be Kwan Williams, and then after that, you're looking at guys like Aquilo and Tavarius Moore. What are you going to do with those two guys? I think they're going to be the outside corners. Um, the backups, that's going to get the first shot. If somebody goes down, they'll work in in some dime situations for sure. But that's what we got. You know, DJ Reed, is he going to be a safety or is he going to be a nickel guy? I think he can do both. And then, you know, we've got guys like Greg Mabin, who ugh, hopefully he doesn't take a snap all year, um, special team guy and all that. So what's Tim Harris going to have to do to make this roster he's going to have to impress because if you're going to keep him, you're going to bounce a veteran like Greg Mabin, which I am 100% okay with. It's just, 
does he have the tools? So he's going to have a learning curve. It's going to be an uphill battle. I'd probably give him a 40% chance of making this roster. Even as I say that, you know, I want to drop that number down just a little bit if I was creating betting odds. But that's what it is. So thank you guys for this. I am currently working on an offensive line breakdown for all 32 teams in the NFL for Eat Sleep Fantasy. And I don't say this enough, but, um, you know, I I put content out there on a lot of different sites. I'm writing for Dynasty League Football if you are interested in Dynasty uh, stuff with drafts and all that coming up. And I also write for Eat Sleep Fantasy for all redraft and just other fantasy random football nuggets. So if you want to see any of my stuff, please head over to those two sites. It's there for you to and also, if you haven't already, please head over to my Twitter account and register for that free Joe Montana signed jersey. Thanks, guys, and we will be back with you shortly. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.